Hey guys, I've got something special for you over the next three weeks, starting with today. I have a young lady that approached us uh, while we were coming back from Florida. She called us out of the blue and started telling us that uh, she needed to get her story out. And she was kind of led uh, to call us and she got uh, what she determines to be confirmation of that as we were talking. She's never told these stories before. She's uh, in her late 30s. And a lot of these stories started happening back when she was a teenager. But she's told some friends, family members, but nobody outside of that. And she felt compelled to tell her story to us. Trust me when I tell you we spent an hour and a half talking and we barely scratched the surface. So instead of trying to cram everything into an hour, we decided to do three straight weeks of, um, you know, hour, hour and a half. And get all of it in. And this this one we're getting ready to listen to today is about an hour and 20 minutes. But she's got three different topics. She's got everything from paranormal, which we'll discuss today. And then next week we're going to talk about UFO encounters. And then we're going to be talking about, on the last episode, basically what she calls the matrix. Things she's learned and messages that she has been um, given from a higher power to go deliver to certain people, in most cases, people she didn't know. So I find her absolutely fascinating. I know on the surface of what I just told you, some of you are probably thinking, there's no way all this happened to one person. And trust me, I get it. Only thing I'm going to ask you to do is listen to this episode, and then you'll probably uh, feel a little better about the situation. And then, uh, like I said... It's only going to get better from here, but uh, I think you're really going to love Stephanie, and we're excited to be able to be the ones to bring her stories uh, out in the open. Hey, guys, I have what I believe, and and I don't say this lightly, but I believe is going to be one of my favorite interviews of all time, and that says a lot considering the people we've had on this show, but I've got Stephanie on here, and I, I just want to give you a little background. Stephanie called Tracy and I when we were on our way back from uh, Florida but we uh, last weekend and we answered the phone and I didn't recognize the number. I just saw it was coming from out of the area. So I pick up the phone and Stephanie answers and I had no idea that we were going to be in for an hour and a half of completely mind blowing conversation. And I know I haven't even brought her on yet, but I, I just feel like that she needs a little a little introduction that I'll tell you a little bit what we were seeing. This young lady comes on to talk about everything from paranormal to time travel to getting messages to, to going to a church to deliver a message to somebody that she didn't even know who the message was for and all these different aspects of things we talk about on the show. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you'd have told me that, hey, you're going to talk to somebody that says that all of these various things have happened. I would probably be a little bit skeptical that this person might not be completely being honest or might be, you know, and, and that's not something I'd take uh, lightly. I don't, I don't just assume somebody's ever uh, making things up. I give everybody the benefit of the doubt, but usually there's one or two topics, not like 10 topics, but I'm here to tell you, Stephanie completely blew us away to the point where I said, look, we can't tell everything that you need to tell on one episode because in an hour and a half, we've only barely scratched the surface and you've completely blown my mind. And it's not saying that the listeners can't handle all this information at once, 
but it definitely was sensory overload for us who hear this kind of stuff all the time. So I said, hey, we need to do probably three hour long interviews and we'll touch on each subject as we go along. And and that's what we're doing. So it's something I've never done to offer multiple interviews to the same person, but I feel like it needs to happen. With that being said, I want to introduce all of you guys to Stephanie. Stephanie, thanks for coming on. Well, hi, thank you so much for having me. Trust me. That was a really nice um, introduction. Can you follow me around all the time? Just talking about (laughs) me like that? Can we just like, you know, can we just, can I be like your little sidekick and you just introduce me like that? That made me feel amazing. Thank you. (laughs) And it's honestly strange because this is 20 years in the making of the story. And I, um, I've never come forward to talk about it. Only a few people in this world know almost all of the stories. I, for the exact reason you just touched on about, I thought if I were to even say one or two of these things, people would say, that's not even possible. That's not true. Or that can't be, but you know, here I am giving an anonymous story. I mean, yes, my, my first name, but that's it. And I don't have a podcast I'm promoting or a blog or a book or anything like I'm just here to tell the story because I'm supposed to tell the story and what you talked about with the messages and things like that. I know that I am hopefully through this story. I'm supposed to get in contact with somebody who maybe also might be searching for me, like a group of people. And that is something that we will probably talk about on the second episode, but I think there might be a group of eight to 12 people that are like me or something like that, that I'm supposed to get in contact with. And to tell you the truth, I've known that I may be supposed to get in contact with them, but you can't get in contact if you don't tell your story. There's no way for me to um, get it out there. So I thought, well, I'll just get up, work up the nerve to actually speak about this and maybe it might help some other people as well. So let's, let's start off with the fact that you picked up the phone and called us. Why us? First of all. Well, I, um, I was, I knew that the only way I could maybe get out there and speak about it is going to be on a podcast. Cause I know podcasts are huge right now. Everybody listens to podcasts. I never really listened to podcasts until just recently. Um, I find them delightful and it's great to listen to what, you know, while you're driving around and I drive a lot. I honestly, I found you because I was supposed to speak on another podcast. Things um, got mixed up and, or I had to cancel the first time because I was sick. And like I was telling you earlier, I don't feel like my voice is very pleasant for radio. So you add some, you know, stuffy nose that just really wasn't attractive. And then I just started Googling other podcasts and doing some research and I saw Hillbilly Horror Stories and I thought, yeah, I like that name. And because I'm not, I don't like, um, I'm going to crack probably a lot of jokes, but I crack the jokes deal with the trauma that these stories have caused me. And I feel like some of the things I have to say, and maybe some of the jokes I'm going to crack, that it's one of those things where honestly, what better than a hillbilly horror story? And I listened to, um, like I started listening to your podcast. And I was like, I really like how this works and how this goes. And you put off a good vibe. And I was like, yeah, that this is, I can tell a lot from just the sound of a person's voice, um, believe it or not. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to give you guys a call and be honest. I didn't expect you guys to answer. So it really caught me off guard when you were like, hello, I thought, oh crap. Like, how do I even 
start talking about this stuff. And <laughs> then I was kind of, I honestly was driving and I probably almost wrecked. I was like, um, hello, hillbilly horror stories. And then I started talking and I was just like word vomit came out of my mouth. And I was just saying all kinds of things. And, and to hear, hear you speak in your intro, it's funny because you guys were very silent on your end. And I was, I know I was very excited on my end and I was talking very quickly and I was saying a lot. And now that I realized maybe you guys were so silent because you were just like, this is unbelievable. Okay. So, but yeah, it, um, it kind of threw me that you answered. I wasn't prepared for that. And so we had, I kept you on the phone for an hour and a half <laughs> and yeah, then you decided to invite me on, which is my honor. Thank you. I really so, appreciate it. And then I don't know where you've got this set to come on, on one of the three episodes that we're doing, but you told us while you were listening or while you were telling us a story rather uh, that you ask for certain signs to yeah. validate that you're doing what's being asked of you're doing the right thing. And you kept reiterating that you were seeing signs when you were on the phone, which made you believe that we were actually who you were supposed to contact to begin with. Talk that a little bit about that. Actually, absolutely true. So uh, what we're going to talk about in the third episode is definitely, I think the first two episodes will e ease into it because when you start throwing around some of the things that I'm going to be talking about on the third episode, I feel like if I were to start off with saying those things, it would discredit you know, people might be like, oh, well, I'm not going to even listen to these other things because that's crazy or whatever. But to be honest, I, should I even say the N word? I, I, okay. So, you know, I woke up from the matrix and believe it or not, I wish I could go back to sleep. And I'm not just talking about, oh, saying, oh, I know that there might be a simulation of matrix. No, I'm awake. And it's horrible, horrifying, horrible. And, um, I'm not alone. And luckily uh, I met, I found a woman across the, the United States on the, you know, in the West coast that I randomly picked her name out of thin air, called her and she helped shed light. And I noticed for, oh my gosh, I can't even tell you how long it's over a year, two years. I kept seeing repeating numbers and everybody calls them angel numbers, three, 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 four, 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 six, 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 seven, 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 you know, all of them. And I've been seeing those for a very, very long time. Just recently, I'm talking the last like five, six months, maybe a little longer. I've been seeing them 30 to 40 times a day. Before it was just like once or twice a day, I would randomly look at the clock and be like, oh, it's two, two, two. So when I say that I'm now communicating with something else and they communicate with me through signs, I ask for three specific signs. I ask for a neon orange car. I'll ask for a Mini Cooper because I used to have two Mini Cooper. I used to, um, I love Mini Coopers. I've had two. I'm in my area where I live right now. You hardly see any Mini Coopers, you know, I mean, nothing. And I remember one time I was speaking out and I said, wow, I really love seeing Mini Coopers. I speak out loud to the universe and I actually get communication back. And I have wild stories and proof and things to talk about in the third episode. But while I was on the phone with you, I was, so I asked angel numbers neon orange cars and mini coopers. Uh, and so for me, those are very rare things that I see on the road. Um, when you're communicating with what I'm communicating with, they don't speak on our frequency. I can't hear them. They can hear me, but I can't understand or decipher what they're saying because they're too far and above me. So the way I can receive the messages and signs is I get messages 
um, thoughts and it, they go in my head and I'm like, oh, okay, that was a clear message. But when I want to ask questions, like, so I'm asking them questions, I will then say something, give me one of my signs and I'll give it a time limit. You have five minutes to give me a neon orange car and I'll get one in 30 seconds and I'll get two back to back within if it's a yes answer or I'll say no answer. I'm very specific. And while I was on the phone with you that day, I was being smacked in the face with neon orange cars left and right, Mini Coopers. I mean, I was at a light and there were two Mini Coopers sitting right in front of me while I was talking to you. And one of the Mini Coopers had uh, the license plate 777, something like that. So to me, whatever I'm doing within, whether it's talking or I'm talking with you and on your show, it's approved, so to speak. Does that make sense? Like they approve this message and the message is coming from me. So I mean, I know I was on the phone rambling with you and I was just like, oh my God, another orange. There was a neon orange sheep that just drove by. And then a second later, and I'm like, I'm sitting next to too many Coopers. So it was just total confirmation for me that I was headed in the right direction. Speaking with, um, with you guys, it wasn't like I just saw one of those signs. I, I lost count. I don't know how many of them I, I saw, but I know I kept, you know, interrupting the conversation and be like, and there's another sign. So for me, it's one of those things where it lets me know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm on the right path. So speaking with you guys on the phone that day, it was, like I said, it was, the message was approved. So, and they were wanting to make sure that I saw it loud and clear. So now I'm, I'm sure the listeners right now are thinking, well, who is they, who, who is she communicating with? And we're going to hold off on yeah. that because I know the answer Thank to you. that, but we're yeah. going to hold off on that until that, that <laughs> the episode when we cover all that, but just know that answer is coming. All right. So I want to get back on, on your track. I've, I've interrupted you a little bit from the, from the beginning, probably brought up some things that weren't on schedule, but I kind of want to let people see what's in store coming up. So you've got oh, some wait. paranormal, st- uh, you got some paranormal stories that were kind of all this stuff started that we're going to focus on today. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to turn it over to you and let you okay. tell your stories. Well, I'm just going to start from the beginning with the paranormal stories. I, I am the rarest blood type, which is AB negative. And if anybody knows about the RH negative blood, the blood type, they are the people that they call the alien blood. It just appeared out of nowhere, you know, 300 years ago in Basque and the people that are RH negative tend to have the most paranormal experiences, um, alien abductions, tend to be psychic, mediums, have special abilities and gifts. I do have special abilities and gifts and all of that. But I, this is where I believe it started with my blood type. So I come from a long line of women in my mom's, on my mom's side of the family that have gifts and abilities. Uh, my great-grandmother saw spirits. She saw spirit. She saw an angel in a field the day her husband was shot and killed for bootlegging. And she saw the angel that day disappear right where he was shot and killed. Grandmother, my mom's mom, she sees spirits um, for months leading up to someone's death in the family. So it's happened like six, seven times. She'll see spirits every night. There'll be either a man, it'll either be a man or a woman or a woman and a child, a man and a child. They'll be and you know, next to her bed or floating on the ceiling, they'll be in the corner of the room and she sees them and she'll see them up until somebody close to her dies. And then she won't see them again. And she'll see them every night for months. And so growing up, I always knew that my great grandmother had a gift. My grandmother had a gift and I've had, you know, my mom has had paranormal experiences. 
Um, one of my aunt, aunts, I, I don't know if both my aunts, one of my aunts definitely has. And, but it skipped all the men in the, in the family. It's very strange. Like, so my mom's brother didn't really have anything. My brother doesn't have anything. My male cousin doesn't really have anything, but it seemed like it followed the women. And, but it followed me. I got it the worst. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I would prefer to have seen spirits instead. I don't really know. I probably would actually can what I'm about to tell you. So I, I would rather see spirits at night. So I grew up thinking seeing ghosts was so cool. Like, oh my gosh, my grandmother sees ghosts. And I remember kids in school would be talking about ghosts or paranormal experiences. Mind you, I'm close to 40. And so back then there weren't a lot of paranormal shows about it. Like, you know, like ghost hunters and all of those things like that stuff wasn't even around. So when we would talk about ghosts, I would brag like my grandmother sees ghosts, you know, and I thought it was so cool. Well, growing up, I can I can only think of one time I, I believe I saw a ghost up in a window. I saw a little girl looking down on me and it wasn't the neighbor girl. And I knew something was off. She was gray and she was dressed in period clothing. And I was probably like six years old, but and she was watching me. And then that's it. I, I remember turning away because she kind of freaked me out and I never remember or ever experienced any other thing growing up that was supernatural or paranormal related until I was about 18 years old and I communicated with a ghost and it was a very it was very friendly interaction and then I feel like all that did was open up a doorway for all hell to break loose in my city we had a historic district and there was a woman that rented one of the old homes there it was like a house that was over 100 years old you know tons of history and she was teaching yoga, Reiki, which I didn't even know what Reiki was at the time. And tarot, didn't know what tarot was either. So I, my brother played, my brother was a very good athlete. He played professional in his sport, but my dad always had trainers and coaches for him. And his speed, his speed coach told him he needs to work on stretching. Should probably get him into yoga. So my dad thought, Hey, there's a teacher right up the street, you know, in our city or, or town, Let's go there. So my dad paid for my brother and his wife, his now wife at the time was high school girlfriend to do private yoga classes. My brother loved it. And then they were like, do you want to do it? I said, sure. My first time in there was actually with my boyfriend. And as soon as I walked in, the light started kind of turning on and off in this front room. And I was like, okay, didn't think anything of it. I thought, because I've never lived in an older home. I was, I grew up very fortunate. My parents always built brand new homes and I lived in brand new homes. So I just thought, oh, the lights are going on and off. It's because, you know, it's an older home. That's what happens. Uh, and then throughout the class, I think the radio did something a little crazy as well. I didn't pay it any attention. And at the end of the class, the instructor, and this is my first time meeting her, but she has a relationship with my mom and my dad and my brother and his girlfriend. She goes, I normally would never say anything, but this has never happened in any of my classes. Never. She said, I'm just going to ask who here has paranormal experiences or has anybody interacted with ghosts? And she looked at me and I was like, no, I've never had anything. And then I looked at my boyfriend. I was like, do you? He was like, no. And then I told her, I said, well, my grandmother and all of the women on my side of the family, they all have paranormal encounters. And I said, it's probably that. And I kind of was bragging, like, it's me, not you talking to my boyfriend. I was like, yeah, it's me. She, and I, you know, I was like, it's probably because of me. And she was okay. Well, I just want to tell you that the room that we're in right now used to be the doctor's uh, house. And the room we're in is where he had his practice. His daughter died in this room. 
And she said that when I moved in, I started, she goes, I immediately had, you know, uh, the ghost revealed itself to her and she goes, and it's very friendly. She goes, she's very sweet. I think even she said she could see her. And then that's when she went and verified who previously lived in this house. I think she saw the little girl ghost. And then that's how she verified, you know, it was probably the doctor's daughter who died in that very room. And she told me she's never revealed herself to any of my clients for anything. And she told me the ghost's name. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. And so when I left, I said bye to the instructor. And then I said bye to the ghost. I said her name. And as soon as I said her name, the lights flick, flicked on, off, on, off, on, off. And the instructor was like, oh, she really likes you. And I just thought it, you know, the sweetest interaction. So every time I went, I would interact with this ghost. I would talk to her and I would get a reaction. Once again, I would I think that maybe you know, the instructor had somebody in the back, you know, flipping the lights on or controlling the radio because the radio would just turn on and blast. And I don't think that because trust me, this is a preppy yuppie town and saying that, you know, you're going to haunted yoga, like the people in this town, they would, they would be like, um, <laughs> hell no, we are never coming back. You know, she risked in a way revealing that to me. And she could have maybe lost my brother as a client as well. Um, so I remember when I left there, I called my brother. I was like, hey, did you ever have anything happen to you? And he was like, no. And I was like, oh, well, she probably doesn't even like you. That's why, you know, kind of made a joke about it. So what I did with communicating with that spirit, I feel like it opened up a doorway with it. No, it could communicate with me and I communicated back. And I felt like that was an active invitation to anything and everything. So the next thing, I noticed is that when my parents would leave town, I would go stay at their house. I was in college. My brother was in college at the time. I would go stay at their house. They had a very large house. And when it was just me in this house, it was a little bit scary, but they had two dogs and I would go and spend the night with them on the weekends while my parents were visiting my brother. And I remember the first time the dogs, I was sleeping in my parents, the master bedroom, the, the dogs woke up and it was, it was three o'clock in the morning. And at that time, I didn't realize what 3 a.m. symbolized. So they woke up and we're talking two fat pugs, man. Like they, <laughs> they were not aggressive. When they see somebody, it is like, love on me, give me treats, pet me. There was never any aggression from them ever. So by them waking up at three o'clock in the morning, it was, I, they were growling, they were snarling, they were barking. The hair on the back of their neck stood up from the top of their neck all the way down to the tail. And they were both were focused in the corner of the room up high towards the ceiling. And I was just like, calm down. Like, you know, nothing, it's nothing, nothing's there. I don't know what I'm thinking. Maybe they heard something outside. Could have been Wendy. Could it be, there weren't any trees at that part of the house that could have smacked against the house. So I just chalked it up to go back to bed, you know, thinking that they were just being a little bit on the nervous side because my mom and dad were gone. And so the first time it happened, I chalked it up to not a big deal. Second time it happened, I chalked it up, which was the next night. I was like, and it was after three o'clock in the morning again. I was like, what is happening with you guys? Like, I didn't even, you know, think about it. But the second time it happened did freak me out a little bit. Then the following weekend, watched them again. Now we're talking like the third time. And now I'm freaked out. And I'm yelling at the dogs, like, please stop. You're freaking me out. And in between the first weekend and the second weekend, I Googled, went down and, you know, this is when they still, you know, you had computers, you didn't have like laptops, went down and Googled dogs waking up barking 3am in the corner of the room. And I did not like what I found. It was like, you know, spirit 3am, the devil hour, this. And I was like, oh shit. 
I was like, okay, I am not, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm like this. Okay. And I'm like thinking to myself, what can I do? And so, you know, it was very hard for me to find information, what I actually wanted information on, but I found them saying, you know, claim your space back, say, this is my house. You don't belong here. Please leave, you know, type situation. So, you know, when it happened the following weekend on the third time, I was upset at the dogs, but then I'm like, here I am shouting at the corner, like, you don't belong here. Please leave. This is not your house. It didn't work because it happened again and it kept happening. And I remember telling my parents, like, I don't want to watch the dogs anymore. This is freaking me out. And everybody kind of was just like, oh, no, you're just, I know it can be scary because the house was large. It was like 6,000 square feet, maybe bigger. It was, it was big. And I just was Everybody kind of chalked it up. It's like, you're just, I don't know. You're just being a little bit paranoid. But my mom believed, my mom believed me because my mom, she's used to things with her mother and her grandmother. So my mom believed it. And I remember then things started happening at my condo. I lived in a condo when I was in college with a friend. It was a brand new condo. Once again, I thought things can't be haunted if it's a new house. Why, why is there a haunting in a new house? So that was my my big misconception there. And so things started happening at my house, at my condo. It first started with the lights turning on and off and not just the lights turning on and off. Like I could hear the, the, the flip of the switch. Like I could actually physically hear the click. And I'm like, did that just, but see, I'm one of those people where I know that there's a lot of different types of people that have paranormal experiences. There's the people that believe anything is paranormal. Like, you know, like a little, like, the air air conditioning could kick on and it could blow, you know, a piece of paper, which is pretty much probably why the paper is blowing, but they'll be like, that's a ghost, you know, like super stoked about it. Then there's people that completely deny anything. And, you know, then there's people like me, like, all right, before I say it's paranormal, I'm going to say what happened at the time. So I can kind of like debunk myself before I claim something's paranormal. Cause trust me, I don't want it to be paranormal. I thought it was cool that my grandmother had experiences. Shit ain't cool now. Like I'm scared of the dark. I don't <laughs> like it. Make it stop. So, you know, I'm thinking of this light switching on and off and I'm hearing it click and I'm thinking to myself, all right, maybe the electricity is just so strong that it's pushing the thing. I mean, it's just totally, it doesn't make sense, but I'm doing everything to, to make myself comfortable in my living environment. Then things start being thrown in the middle of the night in my bathroom. I remember things crashing, like loud sounds crashing in my bathroom. And I'd, I'd go in and I'm not going to lie. I, um, I'm very into makeup. I've had, you know, I'll have like a hundred makeup brushes out on my countertop with palettes and all kinds of stuff. And all of a sudden all the stuff's now on the floor. And I'm thinking to myself, how did that happen? So I just kept thinking, you know, it's a brand new house. It's not like anything's like settling or whatever. And there's a little bit of a slope to the the countertop. So I'm just chalking it up to hmm, maybe there was a little bit of water underneath the brushes from me brushing my teeth and it slowly migrated. Like I'm trying to debunk everything. Then finally stuff gets thrown against the glass door in my bathroom. And I remember it was so loud that I was like, okay, that that's different. And I sat there trying to make, recreate the sound again, like rolling the thing onto the ground. I was like, that didn't make it. No. And then I picked it up and I threw it against my glass shower door. And I was like, that's the sound that I heard. And that was the sound I continually heard. So things were always still happening in the middle of the night and, you know, being touched and just, it, it just honestly was very kind of overwhelming. And I remember the first time my roommate went out of town, I had my best friend. I'm like, will you please come over? 
I go, I'm kind of scared. Things are happening. And she was in my bathroom talking to me. We were talking through the door. We were joking, laughing. And then the way she said my name, she was like, Stephanie. I instantly knew. I'm like, yeah. She goes, so I'm nowhere near the light switch. And the lights just flipped off. And I go, yeah, that tends to happen. She goes, yeah, you definitely weren't kidding, were you? And I said, no, like it's, she's like, yeah, you know, I'll stay with you. So it just really developed a fear in me of, you know, fear of the dark, fear of being in a house by myself, especially at nighttime. Then it just like things progressively got worse, no matter where I went. It just followed me wherever I went. Then the next house I lived in, I remember my family, I was still in college. My family, they moved states and I moved with them. They were, we were all living in a big brand new home once again, it was really nice. And things started happening in that house instantly, but only to me, you know, it's one of those things where, like I said about my makeup brushes, when a makeup brush is $50, trust me, I'm going to make sure my room door is closed. So a dog can't get to it, and chew it up. So I would close my room door all the time. And then I'd turn around and it would be open. And I would say, who opened my door? I didn't. And it's like, yeah, somebody did because not only did I close it, then I pushed on, I would always have a routine. I would close it and push on it one time to make sure the door would stay closed and lights in my room being turned on and off door slamming. But only when I'm like in the house by myself or only one other person. And I would always say, okay, did somebody open up a door to outside to create like that suction, you know, that would kind of close a door. And then I'm like, no, you know, I'm by myself, that door just slammed. And once again, it was one of those things where people around me we're just thinking that I'm mistaken. Like, oh, you forgot to turn your light off. No, I didn't, you know? And so it was actually very frustrating. Tell you what, there's times I've just wanted to smack every single one of them. Like it was like, and I wanted to smack them hard, Jerry, hard, because it was like, here I am trying to say, look, this is, this is happening. My door just opened and I just closed it. And it's like, oh, your mistake. No, I'm not. I know what I'm talking about. Like I said, I have you know, probably $600 worth of makeup brushes in there. I'm making sure my shit's closed. Then things started flying um, off the walls, off bookshelves, off mantles. And it was always when I'm walking by. So I'm thinking to myself, okay. Like I felt like it was just always geared towards me. And so what I would do is when something would fall off the shelf or fly off, you know, a mantle, I would pick it back up, put it in its spot. And then I would walk towards it again, but then I would jump up and down thinking that I accidentally knocked it off by like a loose floorboard or something. Once again, this is a brand new house. So there shouldn't be a loose floorboard, but Hey, shit happens, you know? So I'm trying to recreate some kind of scenario to where the stuff will fall off on its own, you know? And I'm like, okay, that's me that did it. I would always look around and be like, do I have, am I wearing something like fabric that's loose that could catch it to get it off. No, I'd walk in front of something, something would fly behind my head. I'd walk towards something, something would fly across my face. And I'll never forget, man, this was, this day was so satisfying. I remember telling dad, Hey, this house is haunted. He's like, no, it's not. And while we're arguing about it being haunted and nobody fucking believing me, we're standing about six, seven feet apart and something in front of the fireplace something flies off the fireplace right in between us. And I remember just throwing my hands up and I go, and what do you call that? I mean, literally it was like the ghost kind of had my back as in like, oh, so I take it. People aren't believing you. Let me give a little razzle dazzle to, to show what's up. So that might be the only time that I was like, thank you. You did me a solid, you know, telling the ghost that, you know, thank you for that. But it, it was weird because it was like, and 
And once again, this is why a lot of people don't talk about these kind of things because they're afraid of people that they care about calling them a liar or thing. And I remember when we go on further and I tell more horrifying stories, I remember turning to somebody that I'm related to. And I said, I just want to ask you something. Cause I mean, I don't do drugs. I kind of wish I did at this point, to tell you the truth, that would maybe give a little bit of explanation to stuff and might make me feel a little bit more comfortable about the things that have happened. And I could say it was because of the drugs, but I don't do drugs. I like to drink socially. I like to drink a lot socially, actually, but I don't drink at home or anything like that. And I, when I say to have people you care about not believe the next stories that I'm going to be telling, it's really hard. So I said to somebody one time, am I a liar? No, they answered no. And I go, okay, so have you ever caught me lying to you? Well, no, I just said, you're not. I go, have you heard me lying to somebody else? Well, no. Would you say I'm trustworthy? Yeah, I trust you more than anything. So then you're telling me that I'm not a liar. I'm not, and I'm, I'm somebody you completely trust, but I'm telling you this happened to me and you're saying you don't believe it. That's fine. And, I, and from then on out, I didn't tell that person another thing. Like, I don't care. I'm not going to waste energy because it actually really did at the time hurt my feelings that somebody just wouldn't even believe me. And I'm thinking like, how, why would I want to make something up? That's traumatizing. I don't want to get attention. I'm not trying to do this to get attention where I know maybe some people might, I, I don't know, but it's just really sad when people start coming out and talking about their things. It's like, you know, a lot of people are met with resistance, which goes into, you know, some of these next things that happen. So things are flying off the wall. I'm seeing dark shadows that are blocking out the light, thinking it's one of my parents' dogs getting up. The dog's passed out in the other room snoring. So I'm seeing black, dense figures at nighttime. Like I said, they're completely blocking out light. And I'm seeing other things, but I'm, I'm trying to convince myself I'm not seeing them at nighttime. So I start sleeping with lights on, TV on, stuff like that. I remember one time we were watching a movie, and this also happened in front of both my parents. A ball of light formed. And it was the size of a grapefruit, maybe just a tad bit smaller. And when I tell you, it was like in the center of the room, it was so damn bright. And right as it caught our attention, because we were watching a movie, lights were turned down, the ball forms. And just as I look up, it gets bigger and brighter and brighter and then pops, explodes. And I remember my mom and I, my dad, we were just like, what just happened? Because I could see where it was floating. I could see around it. Like it was a dense ball of light brighter than any flashlight, anything I've ever seen. I mean, it was blinding and it got bigger, brighter, and then it just made a popping sound and explodes like a burst of energy. Never figured out what that was, but that was one of the things. And then this is when I really started the next stories I'm going to tell you. This is when I realized like this stuff really needs to stop because um, this is when I was attacked by my first demonic entity. Oh God, I got goosebumps. Hold on. Sorry. I got goosebumps just thinking about it. Okay. So and, and how, how approximately how old were you at this time? At this time, I was in my mid twenties. I believe I was about to move to a different state. And I was then um, moved back to where my parents were living the house that I just talked about because my lease was up and there was like an overlap of where I'll go stay with them for a little while until I'm able to move to the other side of the country. So I I'm staying with my parents and this time around, I noticed, and it, I found out later why, but I was always getting, I was really tired and I couldn't figure out why at the time I was in great shape. I took good care of myself, ate well, worked out all the time, but I was just 
always so tired, like lethargic. I later found out that sometimes spirits can use batteries, drain batteries, you know, to manifest, to be able to do things or whatever it may be. And I figured out basically I was a human battery for the activity in the house. That is why I was just, I mean, I could barely keep my eyes open during the days, during the day, sometimes towards the end of everything that happened. So I had to take lots of, I had to take lots of naps. And I remember my family being like, what is, are you like, are you, you should go to a doctor. You might be sick. Like I, you're just tired all the time. You have no energy. And I just couldn't explain it. Looking back now, it makes sense. But at the time, you know, do I have an autoimmune disease? Like what's going on? But I was just like a human battery for them. I mean, they drained the batteries of cameras and stuff like that. Why would they not? I mean, they've been known to drain the batteries of human and they fucking were just leached onto me like parasites, dude. So anyway, I, um, I remember taking one of my many naps on, uh, the couch in the living room and the couch was kind of like a, a circular couch. So part of it was against the wall and part of it, the couch was against the wall on one side. And then there was part of the couch that kind of led into the hallway. So you could just walk behind the couch and go to like different section of the house with the bed, different bedrooms and things. So I was sleeping um, on my back and I remember waking up and this is the first time I didn't know at the time I was astral projecting. I had no idea, but I remember waking up and looking down at my body going, oh my God, this, this doesn't feel right. And I looked up and I went to move my hands and it was like my I called it my spirit hands, my spirit arms. Like I could see my spirit, but my body wasn't moving. And just as I was like thinking, whoa, what is happening? Because I was, my spirit was now no longer in my body. I was kind of in a, in a, a world of like, oh, this is cool. What is happening? And then it was like, I had three seconds to think, wow, this is the coolest shit ever to, oh my God, I'm not alone. And I instantly looked to the left of the back of the couch. So I turned my head to the left and there was a demonic entity. It's the only way I know how to describe it. It wasn't human. It was, um, I, I say it's a demonic entity because it didn't look like a man, but it wasn't, I knew it was supposed to be a man. There was a tall figure dressed in a black cloak that was kind of dirty and tattered, had holes in it. This thing had gray, white, waxy skin. Like it was tight skin. It was so thin and gaunt. It had no hair on the top and just patches and clumps of white hair that was long and stringy down like past its shoulders. But it was like clumped together, like it was wet or greasy. And I couldn't, I didn't have time to see if it had any eyes. I have no idea if it had any eyes because as I was able to take in what it was wearing, it, the head, the hair, it started reaching for me with its long, like just bony fingers. And which again, this is its skin. I'll never forget the way its skin looked with like, almost like, like I said, it was like a gray white wax instead of skin. And it was pretty haunting. And I'm, I'll, I will say this. I'm not a girl that watches horror movies because after my first few things with ghosts, my mom always told me don't watch horror movies or ghost things, Stephanie, because if you do, that might give you, it might put ideas into your head or you might manifest things to come to you. Just don't. So when I say that, like I'm pulling this, I'm looking at this thing that, you know, looks like it's straight up out of a horror movie, but I don't watch horror movies. It reaches down for me. And as it's doing, it opens up its mouth and it kind of unhinges its jaw. And I 
can't see any teeth. I'm not noticing any eyes. And the fact that I probably can't see any eyes means it probably didn't have any eyes. And it unhinges its mouth a little bit and it opens up. And as it's leaning in, it's like releasing a breath, like, like exhaling as it leans over to me, it grabs me with its left hand. I remember it's its left hand because I saw the hand come up over and it's now choking me. I can feel its thumb under my left ear and I'll never forget its fingers wrapped all the way over to my right ear. So its hand is huge. It's almost in, completely encircling or encasing my entire neck. So the hand is not a typical hand and it's choking me violently. And it wasn't like a, an ease into it. It was a complete instant attack strangulation. And I remember closing my eyes because I didn't want to see it anymore, but it was still happening. So I am kicking, flailing. I can't make any noise and I'm kicking and flailing, but it's my spirit that's kicking and flailing. So my hands that aren't in my body are trying to grab at this, at his hand to pull it off my throat. Because when I tell you that it felt like I was about to die because it was choking me so hard, I thought this is it. Like this is, it's going to kill me. So I'm trying to get it off. And I, I told myself, okay, I had enough time to think this isn't working. Get back in your body, get, get your spirit, like get, get yourself back into your body and maybe you can do something. So as soon as I just let him choke me and I just relaxed a second, I just let myself go limp for a minute because I was kicking and fighting. My spirit was kicking and fighting while I was astral projecting, just relaxed. And I just thought, get back in your body. I went, I snapped back into my body. And when I did it, he let go. And then when he let go, the pain hit. So whatever, and, and when I tell you pain, I mean, that's how, that's how I know that this was even more serious than I could possibly imagine. Cause he wasn't choking my spirit. He was choking my body. And when I got back into my body and he let go and I opened my eyes, I, there was nothing around me. I couldn't see anything. And I jumped off the couch. I couldn't speak. My throat hurt so bad. I couldn't speak. And I'm holding my throat and I run into uh, the office where my mom was on the computer and I start motioning towards my throat and I'm gasping for air. You know, I'm going, ah, ah. so she freaks out thinking I'm choking, which I don't blame her. She thinks that I'm choking on something I'm choking. And so she's panicking. You're choking, you're choking. And I'm like waving my hands like, no, 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 I'm not choking. I had to write down attack by a, a demon. Like I wrote either demon attack or attack by demon because it damaged my actual throat so bad. I couldn't swallow for days. I couldn't speak. I don't, I don't know how long it took me maybe a day or two to be able to speak. And it was raspy. It was so horrible. And I remember years later, I looked up strangulation, you know, like, because I was watching a TV show and a woman was strangled. Somebody was trying to kill her in this CSI crime documentary or whatever, not a documentary. It was like a, you know, CSI in Miami or whatever. And she's in the hospital and she can't speak her vocal cords. Like her throat is damaged. And her vocal cords are damaged. She can't swallow. She can't speak. She is having trouble breathing all from the strangulation. And I, it, it clicked, it dawned on me like, oh my God, like choke. It was so violent of attack. It was no different than if a, a real man or a woman or someone attacked me and tried to strangle me. Because like I said, it was days before I could even swallow. I couldn't speak. Uh, and I remember, I, I, to be honest, what happened after that, I don't, really know that much. I, I didn't document it. I just know that that night, obviously I couldn't sleep and I had trouble sleeping after that. I think it made it worse. The fact that I opened my eyes and I saw it, but 
that's when I knew I was actually really terrified or not now, but I was really terrified because I thought if it was, if something is powerful enough to choke me like that and to actually physically hurt me like that, I, I just thought, Oh my, oh my God, like this is something that could really, like, I was worried about going downstairs. Is something going to push me? You know, it developed a little bit of a fear of, you know, make sure you hold on to the handrail when you go down and maybe walk sideways or, you know, just something because I knew that things could attack you, but I didn't know. I guess I just didn't realize that something could probably almost kill you. When I tell you that the attack probably only didn't last a minute, it lasted well under a minute, but it was enough if that makes sense, it was enough. And seeing that victim in the hospital talking about, you know, surviving the strangulation and everything she was going through was what I went through. And I'm thinking like, wow, man, a spirit was actually strong enough to do some crazy shit like that. Like that's actually, you know, that's pretty intense. So then my second demonic attack happened shortly after that. Um, once again, I had to take a nap and this is going to be a reoccurring theme of me being so drained, having to take a nap on couches that, you know, it's probably like, I should probably avoid naps for the rest of my life and couches for the rest of my life. But so the second time, I don't know how much time passed after that. I don't know if it was a few weeks or if it was a month, but it was pretty close in time. I once again was asleep on the couch napping and I knew I was astral projecting again. I don't know how I, I knew. I just knew that I wasn't in my body and I knew I wasn't alone. It was like, it, it's almost like it happened when they were around or or they came around when I was astral projecting, but this time I was attacked by two demonic entities. One was at the end of the couch, grabbing me by the ankles and held my ankles down while the other one with one hand grabbed both of my hands like wrists with one of their hands and pulled my arms up over my head out, like stretched it. Once again, I'm actually not in my body. This is astral projecting, but I can still feel it all and experience it all pulls it up over my head. And it puts its, my hands in its mouth and it starts biting my hands. This one though, starts cackling. So the first attack felt like something was trying to kill me. The second attack, it felt like they were toying with me. Like they were, they were just messing with me. If that makes sense. Like the whole biting my hand, they were biting my hand just hard enough, but nothing to where it was super painful. And they were cackling, like laughing while it was happening. And once again, I was fighting, I was fighting. I could feel like my whole body just bucking, trying to get them off of me. And I just, once again, thought, remember like what you did last time, just get yourself back into your body and then you can make it go away. So I did, I got myself back into my body and sure enough, when I woke up or not, when I woke up, when I jumped up, I actually had the pain in my hand as if somebody was biting me, you know, it was, it was still, still there. And that's when I realized like, oh my God, do I need a priest? Do this, does this house need an exorcism? What, what does it need? So I went to, the only thing I could figure out was a metaphysical shop. Once again, this is not like this day and age where crystals are everything. People practice, you know, all of this meditation and crystals and, you know, cleansing rituals. Any, I didn't know anything. So we just went to medical, a metaphysical shop in the, in the city. And when I walked in, the lady working there looked at me and she goes, oh, honey, you are a bright light. Like you are a literally a bright shining light and you have dark figures following you. And she goes, and those dark figures are dimming your light. And I was like, okay. She goes, yeah, she goes, your light is so bright that it's going to attract dark things. Because once again, I thought, what am I doing wrong in life? 
I'm a good person. I do great things. Like I try to live a life that I would be proud of. And, you know, uh, I try to be good to everyone. And I'm thinking to myself, why are these things happening to me? So when she tells me that I'm a bright light, dark things are attracted to me and they're trying to put my light out. Then I should have realized too about the whole battery situation. That's why I was exhausted all the time or drained. But she, I told her I have been attacked recently by demonic entities. And she explains to me, you know, once again, I don't know if what she explained to me is right. Other people might have different opinions, but she says, when you sleep, your body, you know, your spirit travels. And I think that your spirit got a little bit too curious and it brought things back with it. And they're trying to scare you to stay on your own plane, like stay, stay where you belong. And I said, well, trust me, it worked. I was definitely scared of shit. So she told me to wear a protection medallion, to bury some kind of crystal on each corner of the house to sage it, to cleanse it and stuff like that. So we did everything that she asked. Tell you the truth. I think the activity died down for a little bit. I'm not quite sure because then that's when I moved. I was ready to move uh, somewhere else. So I'm not quite sure. I know it helped, but I don't, it didn't make everything stop to put it that way. We later found out though, this is interesting. We found out that that house, even though it was built and it was brand new and it was a brand new subdivision, a neighbor's house caught on fire one night and all the neighbors came out to see if they could help. And everybody's out talking about, well, apparently there was a cemetery that was found in the trees that were backed up to the, my parents' property. There was a little cemetery, an old cemetery that nobody even knew existed. Some random kids that are probably going to like do some shady shit in the woods found. And, and, and we kind of thought like, all right, maybe the reason that house had so much activity was because there was some kind of burial ground or a cemetery connected to the property. Like just, you know, they were butt up right to the property. So I move, things kind of died down for a while. Nothing too out of the ordinary, still saw things, um, felt like things would touch me every now and then, but nothing to the degree of, you know, being choked and attacked and held it pinned down by one, you know, put bit my hands, which I, when you think about it, Jesus, that sounds so crazy saying an entity put my hands in its mouth. But once again, the first one was trying to hurt me. The second one was trying to scare the shit out of me. And, you know, it worked, scared the shit out of me. I did see, you know, I would see, I, one day I did see somebody at my brother's house, actually in the backyard and the man just disappears. I mean, he was looked real as can be to me, flesh and blood. And then he just disappears. And we even talked to neighbors. Did anybody get into your yard? And everybody had private yards and there was woods and like swamp behind people's houses. Like, and this was a very private gated community. Like I lived there for a hot minute. Even I had a hard time getting in sometimes, you know, like, so it was just one of those things where, you know, I see somebody walking and then all of a sudden the person's not there. But to me, that ain't shit compared to the fact of the things that I've experienced. Like, all right, so maybe I saw a ghost, who knows? Then my parents decide to move um, to the state where I was living and they move and um, my parents rent a house. This house is beautiful. Once again, that old saying, if it's too good to be true, there's a reason why this house was beautiful. They had it on the market. Nobody would buy it. I couldn't believe nobody would buy this house. When I tell you it was gorgeous. I mean, it had murals and, you know, indoor pool. Like it, it was amazing how it never sold. Now I know why that place was also very haunted. And I think that is why the people probably had a hard time getting, getting it to sell. So my parents go in, my dad goes, this is too good of a deal. You know, once again, too good to be true. I went there. I didn't get a bad vibe. I thought that I was so overwhelmed with how pretty everything was that I didn't really, you know, kind of 
stop to think about the vibe of the house. They move in and I live two and a half hours away from them. And I would go every two weeks and stay with them for a couple of days. I mean, come on, man. I had a job to where I only worked on the weekends. And then I would go every couple of weeks, go visit them. And like, you know, a pool, just, it was a great setup. My parents, you know, cooking for me, like, dude, come on, I'll come visit you. <laughs> Mostly I, um, they had three dogs. They had three dogs and I, um, those were like my brothers and sisters. So it was nice. I wanted to come see them. I know that sounds crazy, but I would literally drive majority of the times just to come see the, um, the little fur babies. So I noticed within the first time I was left there in that house alone, I saw something out of the corner of my eye, something lift up like a, like a chest that they kept um, like blankets in the lid lift up. And I thought, Nope, I'm out of here. Not this shit again. I'm gone. So I leave. And when my parents get back, I tell them, I was like, Hey, I don't know. This is what I saw and experienced. And my mom's like, Oh no, I hope this doesn't happen here again. And I was like, I hope not either. Sure enough. It gets worse there, but my parents started getting activity. They didn't really tell me about it at first because they didn't want me to stop coming. They didn't want to freak me out, but it would do cute things to my mom. It would, you know, take the dog's balls and I know it sounds weird, take the, the, and would line them up. Like, so it was like, my mom's like, it was very obvious. One minute I would look and the, the balls were scattered around the room and I would turn around the next minute. They were all in a line, like right in front of my door. She was like, that's strange. She goes, huh, that's cute. I've never heard of a spirit basically kind of playing with the same toys. They would hear three knocks, which they didn't know, but three knocks usually are not a good sign when it comes with, from within the house. Right. Dad's leg was pulled out of bed a couple of different times. Like he was sleeping and something grabbed his leg and kind of jerked half his body out of bed. Once again, they didn't think to tell me these things. And looking back, it's like, you know, if they did tell me these things, I might've changed my view of coming to visit them a little bit. But one of the cutest things that happened, which I never understood why it was always so negative towards me. Everything was negative towards me. I will touch base on that in the third episode. It all makes sense why everything was negative towards me. But my mom one time made a sandwich and for her, she made a sandwich for herself and she made one for my dad. She took my dad, his sandwich, talked to him for a minute in his office and then grabbed her sandwich and then went and took a bite of it. And there was a dog treat sitting in the sandwich, an actual dog treat. And she was like, she went and yelled at my dad. Did you put this in my sandwich? My dad goes, you made the sandwiches. And he goes, and I've been in my office. So, you know, cute little things that always kind of happen to my mom to where she was like, Oh, isn't that sweet? They put a dog treat in my sandwich or isn't that sweet. They took the dog's toys and rearranged them or did something with it. No, none of it's sweet. Once again, I was always very tired when I went to visit them. And they would even say to us, why are you always needing to take a nap? And I just, I, it didn't dawn on me. I have no idea why I always need a nap when I come here. But I realized that the spirits, we found out it was multiple spirits in this house. They were like priming me for something. And this is when I not was attacked. Something tried to possess me. And this will always go down as probably my least favorite thing that has ever happened to me ever. I, um, once again, was sleeping because I was, I, I could barely stay awake when I was there and I would always be nauseous and I just never felt, felt good. And it, it didn't make sense. Once again, it was one of those subjects where my parents were like, are you sick? What's going on with you? Why are you always tired? I later kind of found out that when something's trying to possess someone, they'll like climb the person for possession. You know, they wear them down, they drain them. 
they isolate them, make them feel unloved or make them feel this or that. So it's kind of like I was being primed for what was about to happen. I remember being asleep on the couch. Once again, I should probably never take naps on the couch, but it was, you know, early evening, um, seven or eight o'clock, seven o'clock probably. And I, I woke at, well, first and foremost, I will say this. I have, I will talk about this another time, but I have very vivid dreams. I have had vivid dreams as far as I can remember, uh, dreams that I, I dream of color. I wake up, I remember everything. Um, and this is when I started realizing my dreams were also integrating into messages and different things were happening. So, but the first time I remember I was laying on the couch asleep at their house and I, I get images of my parents making fun of me. Like they're in my face, taunting me. They're calling me names. They're saying all kinds of like crazy shit. And I remember like, I'm in a half, I'm half awake, half not awake. And I'm thinking to myself, why are they doing this? I'm just sleeping. I don't understand it. And it was like, something was giving me images of my parents, you know, saying they don't love me. They hate me. I'm this, I'm that like, and it gets really crude and real nasty and real mean. And I remember actually feeling really sad. Like, to my core, like, why are my parents saying this? Even though they weren't saying it, it was just what was the image was given to me. And then it, I woke up and I instantly knew that this was something completely different. And this was something bad and serious. I felt like something was inside of my body. It almost felt, it's hard to explain because people will talk about sleep paralysis. This was not sleep paralysis by any means. And I, you'll be able to hear why here in a minute, why there's obvious signs that it's not sleep paralysis. I remember waking up thinking to myself, oh my God, something, something's doing something to me. Something's in me. Something's doing something to me. This isn't right. And I remember, I told myself, and my parents were in their bedroom watching a movie. I could hear them talking. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, something is really wrong right now. And this is coming from a girl that's had a lot of paranormal experiences and being touched, grabbed being attacked, things thrown. And I'm like, this is serious. Like this is not good. So I remember saying to myself, you need to sit up, but it was like, something was saying, no, I was battling my own brain. I don't know how else to explain it, except for the fact that I was giving my body commands of what to do. And it was like, something was like, no, it was like a, it was a tug of war. That's exactly how I put it. It was like a tug of war. So I was having tug of war and I understand that when sleep paralysis happens, your body secretes that hormone or whatever it is that, you know, makes your body inactive. So you don't move and act out your dreams. This was not it. I was actually saying, oh my God, something's happening. I need to sit up. And it was like saying no. So we were, I was going back and forth with whatever this was. And I was able to push myself up off the couch to where I'm in a sitting position now on the couch. And when I did that, my arms shot out in front of me. It's almost like they were bent almost at a 90 degree angle and they were stiff out in front of me, pulled away from my body a little bit. So here I am sitting up. And as soon as I sit up, my arms pop out in front of me and I can't move them. They're doing something very strange and I can't move them. And I realize I can't speak. I can only move my head a little bit to like turn and get my environment. And the entire time that this is happening, I am actually fighting something inside of me. I'm fighting it. And I think to myself, if I can just get my parents' attention in the other room, somebody can come out and help me. Somebody, can, somebody will have to be able to do something. So I was able to make a little grunting noise. The first one they couldn't hear. The second one, I think to myself, 
make it louder, make it louder, Stephanie, make it louder. And I dug deeper. And what, and once again, it's almost like something is trying to stop me from talking to do anything. So I dug deep and I made a louder sound. And at this time, my mom, I got my mom's attention. She goes, did, wait, did you hear that? She pauses the movie and she looks at my dad and goes, did, did you hear that? My dad goes, no, I don't hear anything. And then I thought, this is my moment. If I can't make a noise loud enough for them to get, to get their attention, like I'm screwed, like something bad is going to happen. So I dug deep with everything I had and I just let out a uh, type of grunt. Like that's all I could get out. But when I tell you, it took, it was like me trying to move a semi-truck type effort. It was, it was so hard for me to even get that out. My mom instantly goes, that sound, that's, that's Stephanie, something's wrong. And my mom runs out. She knew something was wrong. And they probably thought like maybe I was having a stroke or a seizure or something. I don't know. But she runs out and I could tell by the look on my parents' face that they were horrified of what they saw. At this point now, my head is like, like I'm twitching. My head is twitching and I'm fighting something and I'm straining as I'm doing it. So I'm closing my eyes, I'm twitching and my arms are, you know, positioned out, bend the elbow out in front of me. And once again, it's like a battle in my body. And my mom and dad are like, what's going on? What's wrong? I can't really speak. And now I've got tears because I'm scared. And I'm like, tears are running down my eyes and I'm scared. And my mom instantly knew. She goes, is this what happens on my side of the family? I, that's code for ghost, spirit, supernatural. That's how she said it. She goes, is this something that happens on my side of my family? And I was able to just go, like, I was able to jerk my head but once again, it was like something was holding my head still like, no, don't make any sound. Don't make any motion. Don't move. And I was able to say, you know, shake. Yes. My mom sits down next to me, puts her hands on me. And she goes, dear God, please. Before she can even finish, please just saying, dear God, it releases me. And I just go limp. So that's how I know that this is not sleep paralysis or anything like that because, or, you know, a seizure or, or, you know, I'm having a stroke or something because and at the time, I was a type of person says, God doesn't exist. God's not real. This is all bullshit. You know, I was very anti-religion and there was, there isn't a God. So when my mom put her hands on me and prayed and said, dear God, and couldn't even finish, please. As soon as she said, God, the thing left my body, I went limp. And as soon as I went limp, I felt like I just went 10 rounds with Mike Tyson, man. I was like breathing heavy. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, oh. And my parents were like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not okay. And my mom and dad go, well, what can we do? I go, get me off the couch. And I remember just saying, get me off the couch, get me off the couch, get me off the couch. And they went to stand me up. And then I went limp. I couldn't walk. I could barely walk. Like I said, I was so exhausted because the battle that I was fighting, that whatever that thing was, the, my battle of fighting it took every bit of energy and strength I had in my body to keep it out of me, if that makes sense. And so I could barely walk. They both helped me into um, their bedroom, her, her, like her bedroom. And they put me on the bed and now I'm crying because I, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I'm traumatized. And my mom has this cross that her brother gave her before she died. The thing is huge. You can't wear it around your neck unless you want to be like Flavor Flav. The thing is like the size of your forearm. The thing is massive. I've touched it many times before. I think it's beautiful. Um, she kept it by her bed on hanging from the lamp. She grabbed it and she put it on my bare leg and it burned. It actually had a tingling, burning sensation. Now, this is something that I've touched multiple times. 
and I've never had a reaction to. So it touched my bare leg. And I remember being agitated, like it was kind of tingling and burning. It was irritating my skin. And this is what terrifies me most is as soon as it touched my skin, a voice inside of me that wasn't me wanted to say, and this is what it wanted to say, but luckily I closed my mouth really tight and put my hand up over my mouth. It wanted to say, I'll never forget these words, get that off me, you fucking bitch. That's what it said. But like inside of me, like it, it felt like it was coming from deep within my throat actually, but it, I'll never forget it. And I was able to put my hand over my mouth before I would, I like, I didn't have control over not saying if that, if that makes sense, get that off me you fucking bitch is what it said. And I remember like holding my mouth and then shaking my head. I'm still shaking my head, you know, and tears are coming out and out of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, crying and my parents are like, what's going on? And I, you know, at the time I didn't want to tell them that uh, there's a voice inside of me that basically, you know, is not me. So I put my hand over my mouth and I just, once I was able to like swallow it and choke it back, I felt comfortable to take my hand off my mouth. And then I just looked at my mom and I said, do not take that off of me. I said, leave it on me. And it was a little uncomfortable. Was it searing my skin and burning my skin like that? No, but it was tingling my skin. And I fell asleep that night. I I remember my mom's like, do you want to sleep with me? And I'm like, um, yes, I'm not sleeping by myself. I'm not being left alone by myself for the rest of my time staying here this trip. And I was like, I, I'm yes, I will sleep with you. My, My mom has this big, like California King bed. And I remember saying my mom, you know, I did not take that cross off me once. I should have tied it to my body because it happened again. So in the middle of the night, I'm one of those sleepers that when I sleep, I pick a position and I stay there the entire night. So I slept holding that cross with it um, on my chest and I was on my back and I don't know what happened. You know, I might've, my hand might've just slipped down and the cross came down and then I lost grip, but the cross fell off me. And I remember my dad slept in the other room on the opposite side of the house. And he said, you know, call me if anything happens, let me know. And my mom's like, I'm here. We'll be okay. I got attacked again. And, and that bitch didn't wake up. So she, um, the same thing happened. I, I knew that I was not alone again and something was trying to get inside of me or was already inside of me. And it was almost like it was trying to attach to, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just trying to possess me for shits and giggles, take a joyride. I don't know, but it did it again. And it's so weird because I woke up because I instantly knew that it was, it's back. And my arms did the exact same thing again. They bent up at almost a 90 degree angle and they kind of raised out to my body. And I thought, oh God, like, I don't know what to do. And I can't speak. So once again, I said, okay, I have to make that like any type of sound. So I'm, I'm trying to make sound. I'm making sound, but my mom's not waking up. I can see my mom sleeping right next to me and she's not waking up. So I once again, think to myself, and once again, it's like three o'clock in the morning. Of course, you know, it's like, of course it has to be around three o'clock in the morning or after three o'clock in the morning, but I hear my dad's TV still on. So I know my dad's still up. So I just think to myself, Stephanie, do it again. Like you have it, you did it once you can do it again. So I just like conserved all of my fight. I wasn't fighting this thing anymore. I can like, it was like, I conserved everything to be able to let out one big scream. Now it sounds like the energy was like a big scream, but once again, it was just a large like grunt. And my dad heard it. He runs in and he's trying to wake my mom. She's a deep sleeper, obviously. 
And my mom, my dad is yelling, my mom, wake up, wake up. Cause my dad is actually kind of, my dad doesn't like paranormal because he doesn't like an enemy that you can't see face to face and fight. Like he feels like that's an unfair, uh, if you knew my dad's background and that, yes. So that's all I'm going to say on that because it'll probably be able to pinpoint my, um, right. um, who I am. So my dad doesn't like something that you can't see the white of their eyes to. So that's why my dad is like, my dad would rather it be an armed intruder than an invisible entity. So he wakes my mom up and she sees me like shaking and my arms outstretched now. And I'm like grunting because I'm like trying to scream. And she looks around, she finds the cross in the sheets and she puts it on top of me. And as soon as she touch, touches it to me again, and I believe, I, I think she started praying again, but I think she said Jesus, or she said a different type of prayer, but it's like, she said it as she was putting it on top of me and the thing left my body again. And like I said, I can feel the whoosh. I can feel it leave my body and I go limp again. And the first thing I say is you tie that shit to my body, like tie it to me. Like, I don't care what you have to do, tie it to my body. Like I did not want that cross to not be on me. Looking back, thinking about the strange voice inside of me that was, that said, get that off me, you fucking bitch. And thinking about that cross being on me and burnt, like kind of tingling, burning my skin. You know, I kind of struggled with like, did something possess me? Am I possessed? And I realized that things that had a, a try to possess you or, or, or whatever it might be, they, they leave a residual energy. So with that being said is I wasn't possessed, but it was like residual energy, like from it being inside of me or trying to be inside of me or whatever it was doing. That's why my skin, you know, I wear a cross now. Like it doesn't, it, it doesn't burn me, but at the time it was agitating my skin because it wasn't still in me. It was like cast out, but it left a residue and that residue was still in me. And that's why I had a problem with the cross being on me. So you know, when you, when you think about all of those things, you're like, oh my God, how can it get worse? Right. Well, it does get worse when you talk about, then I started get, getting, you know, then you bring in UFOs and that, that shit's just not fair. Um, we're not UFOs, aliens. But so when you think about being demonically attacked, seeing one of the attackers and it harming your physical body, something trying to possess me, I mean, twice in one night, I remember once again, because so much stuff has happened. You think that I would remember every detail after the attack or the, the possession, or I shouldn't say possession. No, I don't like that. The near possession, the almost possessing. I don't remember what happened because so much stuff has happened since then. I just remember the attack. I don't remember after the attack because I don't remember if I left the very next day. I don't remember if I continue to stay. Um, I don't remember much. I do know that my, the activity at that house was unbelievable and it continued. And I mean, there's a really good story. I mean, I'm sure we've gone over. There's a really good story that happened to my dad and really, really, they really got him on his last night there. Um, he had to stay there by himself to be able to meet the realtor the next day to get the deposit back. And man, oh man, my dad was like, that was the wildest night of my life. And this man has slept in the jungles during war. And he said, I, he, he said that there was so, it sounded like, once again, my dad had a flip phone. He had no electronics there, no TV, no nothing. It was just a bed. Their U-Haul truck was packed. You know, everybody was on their separate ways, moving them back to, or moving them to a different state. And my dad, so my dad was there by himself. And he said, he heard it was like a party. He goes, there was people, they were going, woohoo. Like 
he goes, it sounded like they were celebrating. And I was like, yeah, they're probably celebrating that you guys are moving out. <laughs> and I said that it, it makes sense. They just, it's like whatever was in that house didn't want anyone to live there. They wanted the house for themselves. And my dad saw a dark entity that night at the end of this bed. He drew his weapon. He's like, I almost shot the wall. And he, my dad didn't sleep that night. He stayed up all night long. And he said all night long, he saw figures like men. He heard them talking and laughing and chattering back and forth. He said it was unbelievable. But you know what? Nobody tells me this in my family. I didn't find out till much later from my mom. And I was like, well, why wouldn't you tell me that? They're like, well, you've gone through enough or you go through enough. Like we just didn't, we just didn't want to talk about it. And I was like, you know, that's part of the problem about a lot of things is people don't talk about things. Maybe if you talked about stuff more or people might understand what they're dealing with or what they're not dealing with, you know, maybe things might go a little bit differently. I, uh, I will say this, you know, at shortly after that, that's when I started, uh, that's when I had, well, not had, that's, well, that's when I first encountered an alien and that's when I started getting abducted. So it was almost like the possession happened or whatever. And that's when the supernatural stuff kind of stopped. It didn't stop completely, but I was no longer being like, I never felt I was being under attack anymore. I, you know, I would have things touch me. I would see things. I'll never forget one time I had a, um, it always seems like it centers around my parents a lot, but it's because I go and visit them a lot, mostly too, to see my parents, but to see the dogs. And I remember I had just not too long ago, I had a folded velvety blanket and I was packing up from spending a couple of days with them. They live on a lake now and it's beautiful. So I love going to the lake anytime I can. And I had this blanket out and it was just my mom and I, I went in the bathroom to grab my toothbrush. And when I came back, there was a handprint like squished into the blanket. And it's so funny because I'm not OCD, but you know, I remember folding that blanket and smoothing it over. And then I come back from taking 15 steps to grab my toothbrush and there's a big handprint and I put my hand in it. And this thing is huge. This handprint is large, like very large. And I said, Hey mom, come here. She goes, what? I go, look at that. She goes, God, look how big that is. I said, yeah. And I, I explained to her, I was like, I smoothed it out, walked around my toothbrush and look at that handprint. And my mom, we always joke. She has man hands. She has long fingers. She even put, I mean, my mom has extremely long hand, long fingers, big hands for a woman. She calls them her working hands. She put her hand in there and that thing was still, I mean, just dwarf like her hand was dwarfed and we were just like what could do that that doesn't seem to um wow my mom's like let's just not even think about it and I was like that you know that's fine I um I don't want to think about it anymore and the house I live in right now is a historic home in another city my biggest fear once again was that this house was going to be haunted I moved in and I um the guy there it's split into two apartments one upstairs apartment one downstairs apartment it's a big home the guy upstairs has like a poltergeist. The thing is so active. It throws things, I mean, heavy things. It is so bad. He even was like, what is happening? He moved in a little bit before I did, but he doesn't spend much time there. And he's kind of like blaming me. Did you bring something with you? And I said, Hey man, look, it leaves me alone. And I want to say right now, the reason I think that the fact that I can even tell the story when I know that there is a pretty powerful ghost that lives in here to be able to move the things that it's been able to move upstairs. 
I feel like, and this is something I'll touch more on. We're all energy beings. Everything is energy, frequency, and vibration. When you vibrate low, and this is off the principle of like Nikola Tesla and all these other famous, brilliant men. When you vibrate low, when you are low in general, you have a low frequency. It's laws of attraction. Things will be attracted to that. So what I'm thinking, because when the pandemic happened, I'm a social drinker. I stopped drinking because I'm not socializing. So I'm not drinking. So because I'm not drinking all the time, because alcohol lowers your frequency. Um, so I'm not drinking all the time from socializing. And then all of a sudden I just kind of stopped drinking. I'm like, well, I'm not really socializing that much anymore now as it is. So I just don't drink that often. And I started meditating and I could tell that I raised my frequency. I, I know my frequency is raised. I know for a fact I can, there's so many things I could tell that's, you know, save that good stuff um, for the third episode. But I now realize that I was drinking socially before, but I was drinking because when I'm in a social setting, I can like, I have gifts and abilities that I didn't really discover the extent of them until recently. And I, I drank sometimes to, to tone stuff down, but honestly, it, it, it's almost like the ghosts and demons can't get to me now because I'm so far there. I'm, I'm far above their pay grade. And I will say this, I'm getting a little too cocky for that because there was um, a period of time where I was, um, I was in this house and I was super stressed. It was a crazy week, super stressed. And stress will lower your frequency like, like no other, just like drugs and alcohol will. And I saw a figure in the house and I was just like, all right. And I said, yeah, I'm not going to be having any of that. And I instantly knew, cause I could tell I was even being drained. I just was not, I could just tell the stress was getting to me. And I just thought to myself, all right, I need to focus back on getting my vibration up because the thing, like I've lived here for months and months. I saw nothing. I started having a couple stressful weeks and all of a sudden I now see the goat. I see the entity. I will say this. When I first moved in, I got this info from my friend. I basically said, all right, if there's anything in here, I'm just going to make a deal with you. I came in kind of cocky too about it. I said, look, I know this is your house. This is my house now as well. You can stay here when I'm not here. Have at it. Have fun. Do what you do. I don't care. Don't break my shit and don't reveal yourself to me and we'll be okay. But you throw things or break things of mine, whether I'm here or not here, or you reveal yourself to me and I will remove you and it will not be pleasant for you because I do feel like with vibrating higher and stuff like that and the other gifts and abilities that I have, like, don't fuck with me because I will make you sorry. And the thing has left me alone. It torments the guy upstairs. One night I literally even, I heard it like banging around and stuff. And I called him. I was like, dude, it's 1.30 in the morning. I'm talking to the ghost, not the guy. It's like, dude, shut up. I have to get up early, knock it off. And the activity just like stopped. So I feel like as long as I take care of myself, I meditate and I do things that are positive and raise my frequency that I will no longer be susceptible to attacks from ghosts, demon entities. Like that's, that's long in the past now. And it's not because there's nothing that changed except for the fact that I started meditating and I started tweaking that kind of stuff. And it was like the activity stopped and it's amazing. So I'm going to make sure I do whatever I can to keep myself at an elevated level because there's more traumatizing things, you know, we'll probably touch base in, in, in the uh, second episode, but I mean, to go through that and to look back now and speaking this, I've never, 
ever said this. So I'm really sorry if I've like kind of rambled on and all this stuff. I've never told these stories like this from supernatural wise from the beginning to end. There's more things. Like I said, a year ago, you know, a ghost grabbed me or something like that. Like, but to me, most people that would freak them out. But for me, I'm like, oh shit, it grabbed me. Not a big deal. I mean, talk to me when I'm, you know, something tries to possess you or something chokes you so hard that you uh, can't swallow or speak for days, you know, and realize that, oh my God, I probably, I mean, it sounds like I'm not trying to be a prima donna, but what is a limit that a spirit can do? Would that thing have stopped choking me if, if I didn't get myself back into my body? Like, I don't know what the end game could have been, but know that like things are way, can be way more powerful than we could ever realize. And I just, if anybody's going through things like that, like that's just, once again, it's not, if I'm doing or saying any of this stuff or bringing it upon myself, like I know people that are like, I want to, I want to see a spirit or I want to do this, or I want to do that. And they're actively willing, willingly wanting to, to bring it on. I just want to say, dude, be careful what you wish for. I thought it was cute that I communicated with a little spirit ghost of a, you know, 10 year old girl 20 years ago. And I, I thought it was cute. And it opened up a door that I couldn't shut until just now, 20 years later, it has made me afraid of dark. It has made me, people will literally say, you're the most skittish person I've ever seen. Somebody could just come up behind me and just go, Hey, and I jump and scream and everybody would say, what's wrong with you? And you know what my answer was? If you've seen the things I have, you'd be scared too. Like, that's all I could really say. I'm like, if you've experienced a 10th of what I've experienced, I said, the fact that I'm not screaming and jumping 24 seven, it, you know, um, uh, I'm having a good day, but I am, I am a very skittish person. I'm afraid of the dark. I have to have noise on at night. Uh, I used to be able to have to sleep in a fully lit room. Now I just need a nightlight, you know, like a good little kid. Um, but there's no shame in it. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say that I'm still working through the fear of something that traumatized me for 20 years. I know it holds no power over me now. I fucking, Oh, I'm not going to, never mind. I'm not going to dare it. Uh, that's ooh, be careful what you wish for. I know that it, it, it can't touch me now. And, um, but that doesn't mean the fear or that my habits for the last 20 years, just, just magically go away overnight. They don't. And it's only been about five, six months of me ceasing activity for the supernatural and ghosts and ceasing activity for aliens, believe it or not. So like I said, it was like the real bad activity with ghosts kind of stopped when the, it's like the aliens tagged in, it was like tag team. And they're like, all right, it's your turn. Like, let's really fuck her up. So I think that's that's a, that's a, Good place to stop uh, on this episode. Mm-hmm. So as you can tell, uh, we barely scratched the surface. This was the, as you put it earlier, this is actually the tamer stuff. So if you really enjoyed this, trust me, there is way more to come because we're going to talk about aliens. We're going to talk about messages. We're going to talk about vibrations. We're going to talk about a little bit of mm-hmm. everything, abductions, you name it. It's all coming up. And uh, uh, I'm excited to see what these next couple of interviews So thanks so much for joining us today, Stephanie. No, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. It's my pleasure. My honor. No. How does that work? I don't know. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you. (laughs) All right, dude. Thank you.